Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Keeping Up with the Card with Ellis Boone and Jabril Taha, two Stanford Daily Writers, taking you around the farm covering Stanford sports. As always, we're going to kick it off with football, as that kind of is the main topic at hand as it is the fall season. Basketball is approaching. Teams holding an open practice for the game against Oregon. So, you know, we will have more to talk about as it relates to basketball here in the next few weeks. But for now, we're going to keep the focus on football. Jabril was yet again on the call for the game. He was up in, in Oregon at Austin Stadium. Jabril, take us through kind of your experience being in the stadium and what you saw. Yeah, well, it felt pretty much the same as that Washington game. Offense struggling to move the ball with a beat-up O-line. So the O-line play was significantly better than it was against Washington. But the offense struggled to move the ball, except for a couple drives a game. And the opposition moved the ball at will. 351 yards on the ground for Oregon. That's not going to win you any ball. It was 31-3 at halftime. If Oregon did have some self-inflicted wounds, some ridiculous amount of penalties, it could have easily been 45. But the Stanford just got completely outplayed. They improved in the second half, but... You should when the when essentially it was garbage time right when the halftime whistle blew. Same against Washington. So there's very, very little positives to take out of this game, except that Casey Filkins looks very, very good once again and is definitely a good running back one for a Pac-12 program, and hopefully he stays healthy. Yeah, I have to I have to agree with your take, Jabril, that it felt like more of the same. If you if you had kind of strung together the film straight, if you'd watched the Washington game and just kept it on rolling into the Oregon game, I would have felt like I was watching the same exact thing. So it was definitely kind of disheartening to watch, you know, for me watching it back on campus. But, you know, not not great to see. I mean, I think, like you said, Casey Filkin's performance is is great. Mike Wilson's still been playing well, but there's a lot of things that, you know, kind of what we were expecting the strong points of the Stanford football team to be. We just haven't really seen them, you know, be strong points. Tanner McKee hasn't been lighting it up as we hope to, making that making that push to to be better than he was last year. The secondary has underimpressed this year, and we'll, we'll get more on that in a bit with kind of the news of the week. And then, of course, the wide receiver core minus Mike Wilson, of course, has not been has not been lighting it up as we hoped. So a lot of things to definitely be disheartened about as it relates to Stanford football. Um, but we're going to try to try to cover cover all of it. Jabril, why don't we keep talking about about the secondary? Of course, the news of the week, Caillou Blue Kelly, star corner for Stanford, out this week with an injury. Hopefully, he's not out longer term, although with David Shaw injury announcements, you never know how it'll go. I, I, I wonder what your thoughts are on how or who's going to step up to replace him and uh, what your expectations are for the secondary this week. Well, he's seen a rotation of Bonner and Salim Turner-Mohammed uh, backing up. You'll just see more of those two. We'll see who else plays. So, yeah, it's a blow to a secondary that's definitely underperformed given our expectations, but also they're put in an impossible position. You have a front seven who can't get any pressure. So you're leaving the secondary out to dry. And teams, when they decide to throw the ball, have torched them for the most part. And there are a lot of plays on film also where a quarterback's missed a throw. Otherwise, it's a bomb down the field. We saw it multiple times against Washington where Panics missed a throw. Uh, Bo Nix missing throws to open guys deep. So just the lack of execution of the opposition has made it look a little better than it has been. But yeah, secondaries underperformed, but again, they're not getting any help either. And what's going on with this team is most definitely not on them. Yeah, it's definitely something that's hard to assess. And also kind of why we haven't made a comment on the secondary until kind of kind of this episode as we're now, what, four games in to the season. Because it is hard to kind of assess the secondary. You know, the front seven has, we knew coming into the season was going to be a weakness for Stanford, and it has been a major weakness for Stanford. And that kind of puts the onus on the secondary to have to step up and play 
play uh, play stellar. And they they have not, you know, been going above what they needed to. Patrick Fields has, has been good. Kyle Lou Kelly, I mean, we knew we we knew he needed to play at a very high level and he's been getting burned a bit in the past couple of weeks, which has not been not been great to see. And kind of talking about the front seven, which really does cause a lot of the issues for the Stanford team. They haven't really been able to put pressure on the quarterback. Uh, if if I had listeners guess who the sack leader was, they probably would not be able to guess it. And that's Patrick Fields' safety. We just talked about with the secondary. Patrick Fields is two sacks in this, and he leads he leads this defense in sacks on the year, four games in, which is not not a great statistic, and really just kind of pinpoints why the front seven has been an issue for this team. They have not been able to put pressure on the quarterback, get to the quarterback with any regularity. And then kind of switching gears to the offensive side of things, another position group that kind of has underperformed at least to what our expectations were coming into the season is the wide receiver group. Now, Mike Wilson has been great. It's been really cool to see him come back to kind of the level we thought he could get to after his injury last year and, and kind of really the year before as well. And so he's, he's been great. But outside of that, you know, we were really expecting huge things from Elijah Higgins, John Humphrey, Bryce and Tremaine, who's also coming back from in, but really, and I don't even know if it's necessarily on the receivers themselves, or if, you know, if you can boil it down to offensive line play, Tanner McKee's ball placement, his lack of pocket presence as we've seen so far this season. Jabril, what have you made kind of of the wide receivers this year? Yeah, and another pass catcher, Tremaine, also hasn't been nearly as involved as we all expected him to. I think they've been all right. I don't think this is really on, again, I don't think it's on them what's going on with the team. As you said, the offensive line hasn't given them much of a chance to call too many deep plays because Mary McKee will get sacked. But I do think maybe some of it is the scheme change as well as Slomash not putting these wide receivers in the best positions to showcase their talent. The fade routes haven't been working this year, just not nearly as effective in years past. So it's really, there are just so many things that are going wrong right now. And the wide receiver group not being able to get involved, whether it's them underperforming and the scheme change is definitely one of them. Yeah, for sure. And kind of the last position group I want to highlight, of course, is the offensive line. A unit that actually started the season with some serious market improvement from last year, but has really been hit by the injury bug. Of course, losing Branson Bragg, he had to medically retire. Walter Rouse has missed some time. Miles Hinton is questionable this upcoming week. We saw Jack Lehrer play a lot of snaps this past week, uh, one of the sophomore offensive tackles, and he actually had the highest PFF grade uh, on the offense, which was pretty surprising, but also at the same time, I guess, good to see that he kind of was thrust into action and performed to an admirable level. Another another freshman offensive tackle, Fisher Anderson, got some snaps. And, and you know, it's, 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 never, it's never a great sign if you have to put freshmen in there on the offensive line, you know, unless they're kind of a huge five-star talent. Because offensive line, you want those to be seasoned. Seasoned guys have been in the program three to four years, uh, really, before you put them on the field. So we will have to see, you know, if this offensive line unit can kind of get back to full health. They're not really close to that right now. And that's kind of also hurt how productive this, this Stanford team can be. But in, in, in spite of that, Casey Philkins has still been productive in his two starts. 100 yards in the game against Washington. I think he had, what, 88 yards, something like that. 80. 80 against against Oregon back uh, in his home state. So he's he's still looked productive in spite of the injured offensive line play, which has been good to see. I would I would love to see what he looks like with a, you know, a full service offensive line, an offensive line that's actually getting some push against a defensive front seven. I mean, kind of what I want to close off on talking about before we kind of preview this Oregon State matchup is something, you know, I'm sure David Shaw is probably really hitting home in his press conferences is that, you know, some are going to, well, many, I would say, are watching the Stanford season saying, wow, one in three, more of the same. It's another disappointing year for Stanford. But, you know, David Shaw's con- contrarian press conference takes are that, you know, they their three losses are to three of the toughest teams in their schedule. 
And so, you know, how long is that going to be an excuse? I think that excuse kind of ends this week with Oregon State. Yep. And that kind of leads into our, our discussion about Oregon State. A team that comes in three and two wins over Boise State, Fresno State, and Montana State of the SCS and losses to USC and Utah. And that, that loss to USC was actually a very impressive game for them. They were on the brink of winning, came down to the final minute. And then Utah, they were in it in the first quarter of the game before their starting quarterback, Chance Knoll, was knocked out. And they had to rely on their backup for the first, the second through fourth quarters and it ended up being a blowout in favor of Utah. But this Oregon State team has been impressive so far this season. They've definitely earned a lot of respect in the Pac-12 and on the West Coast. But the thing to highlight, of course, is that Starting quarterback Chance Nolan is questionable for this one. He's going to be, uh, he's day-to-day -day right now. and It'll basically be decided Friday. If he can't practice on Friday, he's not going to start the game. That's what we've been hearing from Oregon State Press. So I'm interested to see, you know, if he if he does end up starting the game. And actually, you know, kind of what, what the public has been saying, John Wilner, of course, and some other people, is that this Oregon State team is great if they had a serviceable quarterback. And if if they have to rely on a backup in this game, you have to like, you will you at least you have to feel that Stanford has more than a fighter's chance here, even though, you know, Kyle Blue Kelly is out in the secondary. The front seven has been weak so far this season. I still feel like Stanford has to be kind of licking their chops the hopes of facing a backup quarterback and really trying to attack him and go after that with their schemes. And so I'm looking forward to watching that and the news as kind of this week unfolds. Jabril, what have your thoughts been about Oregon State to start the season? Yeah, Nolan is part of the quarterback problem. He threw two picks against Utah and to be honest, if you look at the stat sheet and look at the drives, Oregon State hung with Utah. So they just made mistakes. They threw picks. Should the ball over, not converting in the red zone. Uh, that game isn't wasn't as much of a blowout as the score indicates. But yeah, the backup quarterback, we already think Stanford's going to try to commit to the run a little more and stop their Oregon State's rushing attack, given the fact that Oregon State doesn't have a fantastic quarterback. So we'll see how Stanford's able to handle. It's at home, first game with students on campus. And as you said, Els, I mean, the big, the big question here is, were these three teams really just the best three teams? And you face three top 25 teams here in your first four games. The issue is all three games are over at halftime. And I don't think we all expected Stanford to be a team that couldn't even compete with top 25 teams. So I think that's very disappointing still. But here's your chance. If your path to bowl eligibility becomes very, very small if you lose this weekend. And if you win this weekend, you have a you can say something. You get some momentum. You you could, might be able to save this season and make a push for a bowl game. I, I really just think the main issue is how's morale? Are, it, it's got to be with it's the same guys as last year, pretty much. It's got to be so easy just to let that thought slip in that this is the same as last year. Uh, it's just to continue because that's what it feels like from the fans. It feels like we played so many games this season when realize it's only been a third of the game. It's only been four games. We still have two thirds of the season less, left. So, yeah, they just have to stay focused. Keep that in, find a way to get some energy and this losing streak. It's now been 10 games. They haven't covered the spread. They haven't been an F FBS team in over a calendar. It's getting crazy at this point. They need to find some way to snap a streak. And here's a good chance this weekend. Yeah, that's, I, that's actually a really good point you made there, Jabril, that it does feel like as a fan that we are more than halfway down to the season, but we've only played four games. And so a lot of a lot of football left ahead of the Stanford team, and they get a great opportunity here against Oregon State where you're either facing a backup quarterback or you know, a banged up quarterback who hasn't been productive to start the season. So as a defensive coordinator, hopefully Lance Anderson is licking his butt. That hasn't really meant much recently here. I mean, just kind of noting on the horizon, Stanford will travel to South Bend, Indiana to play Notre Dame next Saturday. Notre Dame, of course, not looking as good as previously thought uh, when looking at the schedule coming into the season. So that 
becomes more and more of a winnable game, but we're going to have to evaluate that after Oregon State on truly how much of a winnable game that is in South Bend, because that is a tough place to play. The refs are never in your favor playing there, as we've seen multiple times this season. So that's going to kind of wrap it up for our football discussion to kind of, you know, in, in better the mood here. We're going to go to Jabril for a little bit of a volleyball discussion. Yeah, women's volleyball was a nice weekend when he 3-1 over both the University of Washington and Washington State University of Washington, a top 20 team right now. And they had about one bad set in both of those games, but then played really, really well in the rest of them, pretty much. Uh, the fourth set against Washington State was a little shaky, but Stanford just showed their inconsistency throughout those games. If this team is on, they're competing for a national title. If they're off, they can lose to some borderline top 25 teams. They can lose to the better teams in the conference. So it's really Stanford just needs to find that level of consistency, but it's good that they didn't. None of the games went to five. Stanford was able to get these home wins, their first two home wins of the year because their other two home games were against the top two teams in the country. But I definitely think it's very good week for volleyball anytime you win both games. And they, they keep growing. I think that was, this was the best floor defense I've seen them play all year this weekend. Really nice crowds in Maples both days. Uh, just a very, very good team that you can just see their potential. Just got to find some consistency. Yeah, it was nice to see volleyball get there get their first wins of the season at home in Maples. And I'm interested to see how the rest of Pac-12 play unfolds for them. Kind of continuing this trend, the, our, our recent trend on the podcast of, with the good news after all. Both soccer teams had an undefeated past week. The women's team righted the ship, heading to the state of Arizona and beating Arizona, both Arizona and Arizona State by scores of 2-0. to zero. The team is no longer ranked, but it was good to see them kind of notch back-to-back wins to kind of get back on track after a rough previous few weeks where they lost to USC, drew with Santa Clara who was not as good this year as they'd previously been. Then over on the men's side in the big Classico um, against Cal, the team won 5-1. to one. And the one thing that was really interesting about this match is that in the 64th minute, it was 1-1. There were no goals in the first half, no goals until really the 60th minute. And then Stanford kind of went on a barrage there to close out the match, ending up winning 5-1. The team is now back ranked in the top five. So trending in the right direction are the Cardinal. And uh, it'll be interesting how far this men's team can take it. Of course, last year, they did not make the NCAA tournament for, I think, only the second time in Coach Gunn's tenure. So they're certainly looking like they'll be back in soccer's version of the big dance. And so it'll be great to kind of watch how the rest of the season unfolds. There aren't too many matches left. So kind of is getting into crunch time for both men's and women's soccer. And then kind of our shout out of the week last week, we shouted out the men's water polo team for taking down both the number one and number two teams in the country. Water polo is now ranked number one. But our shout out this, the men's and women's golf team, they teamed up in kind of what was a cool event to take down Cal's men's women's golf team in the big match. And they won 4-2. So kind of a kind of a cool thing going on there to see both the golf teams team up. I kind of wonder how that would have been to work in other sports. I think that'd be, selling, that'd be fun. But yeah, I think that's gonna kind of going to wrap up our around the farm segment. We Talked about football, aired out our complaints, talk, gave a recap kind of how different position groups are looking, previewed Oregon. Before we, before we kind of close this off, Jabril, I forgot, we need, we need to do our predictions for the game. So I'll, I'll go to you first, uh, score prediction and what you think is going to happen on Saturday. I think Oregon State will still be able to find something with their rushing attack and Stanford's offense will probably continue to struggle. There's, it's really hard to pick Stanford right now. Their favorite, I think they're seven-point underdogs or something, and I think that seems about right given how they played the last few games, not even being competitive into the second half with three straight through for three straight games. I like thirty-one twenty-four. I think Oregon State. Gotcha. Uh, you know what? You know me, Jabril. Ever, ever the homer, ever the optimist. Stanford playing in their first home game with students on campus. You know the student section will be packed to the brim. 
for the only time this season, of course. They're going to leave after. <laughs> it's a Saturday. I'll be there as long as the game is competitive. And so I'm going to predict a Stanford win. Oregon State's quarterback troubles come back to bite them. I think it's a low-scoring affair. I think Stanford struggles to score the ball. Oregon State struggles to score the ball. And in the end, the Cardinal win thanks to um, a bit of a home field advantage here. And they get the win 24-17. That's going to be my prediction. And that's kind of going to wrap us up. Wrap us up this week. We'll be back next week. Um, recapping the Oregon State game, previewing Notre Dame, talking about other happenings around campus, around the farm. And maybe we'll start talking about basketball, men's and women's, yep. here in the next few weeks as we inch closer to November. But that's going to wrap up Episode 7 of Keeping Up with the Card. Thanks for listening.